You're listening to Campus Review Radio. So what's your thoughts on these reforms in Victoria? Well, I've really just seen the media release uh, and I really concur with all of them. I think uh, you know, this is a government that's uh, <clears throat> saying education's important and so is the initial training of teachers. I can see that it's just one part uh, of a whole lot of the reforms that will be required, required to uh, reverse the downward trend that we have been observing over the last 12 to 15 years in the performance of Australian students on the international stage, but that's a separate story. So I, I, I really do think it's, um, uh, it's, it's time and in some ways follows on from the ministerial advisory group that Minister Pine set up a couple of years ago and its report was about quality, pre- preparing quality teachers for the teaching workforce. And a big part of these reforms is um, an ATAR cut-off of 70 from um, 2019. So in your mind, would, do you think ATAR thresholds would really attract the highest quality students to teacher education or just those who get a good ATAR? I think, um, I think it's... A, well. Two things I, th- I think it's necessary. Um, it aligns us with the sorts of uh, cohorts of students that come into teacher education in Singapore uh, and in Finland and other countries that perform well on the international stage in terms of student outcomes. And secondly, I think it sends a clear message. It's, it's a clear message from a government that quality is important. And when governments make clear statements about the importance of education and the importance of teaching, the demand, in fact, increases, and the demand comes from more able applicants. Now, in our case, we're a graduate entry program, and so it's actually quite sensitive to the rhetoric and policies of governments, Uh, because if you already have a degree and you're already in a profession, you're less likely to change profession from what you're in to teaching if you don't believe you're going to get high level support from the highest levels of government, either at a national level or a state level. So I am, well, there is no doubt in my mind that putting this signal out will say to highly able people, we need you. There's a supplementary test that um, future uh, would-be teachers would have to take, which um, assesses their personality, essentially. What's your thoughts on that one? I'm 100% behind it because, in fact, at the University of Melbourne, we've been doing it for four years. We've developed a test which we call uh, this assessment, the Teacher Capability Assessment Test. So we're interested in teachers' capabilities, both cognitive but also non-cognitive. And by non-cognitive, I'm talking about things like resilience and collaboration and communication and positive outlooks. Uh, and ethical ethical positions and positions on issues of of equity and so on. So you might be the brightest person in the world, but if you can't interface with the very people you're meant to be, who who you're teaching and enhancing their learning, then then the message won't get across. This is a this is what I call a clinical profession, and by that I mean a, a profession that is dealing with the well-being of individuals. In our case, it's not fixing a problem, that is in the case of teaching. It's enhancing uh, development, understanding, uh, knowledge, uh, and so on. 
So uh, I think I think it's an essential test, and you, of course other professions do it. I mean, law does it; they have a general capability test. Medicine does it. Medicine does it for the same sort of reasons that I've just outlined for teaching. So I think um, I think it's really important. We don't we want people that have both they're both highly intelligent and have the right personal attributes to really inspire and promote learning in young learners. Not everyone agrees with you in, with these reforms. Um, Greg Craven from the Australian Catholic University said um, these reforms will lead to um, teacher workforce shortages. What do you think of what do you think of his comments there? Uh, I don't agree with them because uh, we've already got an oversupply. We've got we're training so many more teachers than what the demand is at the moment. That's the first thing, and, uh, and the second thing uh, is that it goes back to my initial argument that if. If, if governments say this is important and here are some real steps, I believe it will increase demand. So I go back, for example, before uh, Kevin Rudd became Prime Minister and when they were in opposition, he talked about an education revolution. And the spike, the, the, the increase in demand for our graduate programs was dramatic. Now that's just one indicator and it's not pure science to say that there's a cause and effect there. But I've seen... Uh, I've, I've seen those trends, those fluctuations, and even now, you know, there's been so much discussion about low ATARs over the last year or two or three, you, you see the drop in demand because highly able people are saying, well, why would I get into a profession where you don't need to be a highly able person to get into it? And the other thing, I, I, and it, it, it is interesting that Professor Craven's saying that because he actually was the chair of the Teacher Education Ministerial Advisory Group of uh, Minister Pine, and and that and that report was emphatic about the importance of raising uh, the capabilities of teachers at graduation, and it referred to both intellectual capabilities uh, and general attributes as well. So he seems to be heading in a direction that's counter to what he the position he was taking two years ago. Mm, it is interesting. But just on the ATAR note, um, a recent report from Professor Peter Shergold and the Higher Education Standards Panel, which looked into ATAR, did conclude that ATAR, ATAR is linked to your postcode largely, that um, people from low socioeconomic areas get often get lower ATAR. So do you reckon possibly these reforms could inhibit students from those areas, like smart and bright students who could be good teachers? I think that, uh, well, the first, the first thing I'll say is that uh, people from disadvantaged backgrounds usually when they come into an undergraduate program, particularly at this university, get a, get a weighting that recognises that. That's the first thing. The second thing is we still need really bright people uh, coming into teaching, and I recognise the challenge there are in rural and regional areas. But in, in this set of reforms, it actually... There are two areas that address the issue. The first is providing scholarships to students from regional areas so that they can come into Victorian universities. And those scholarships, those selections will be based on uh, on both cognitive and non-cognitive abilities without you know, being tested that way. And the second thing is that in, in one area, they're establishing a new rural teaching academy for professional practice in Gippsland to improve teacher quality by giving student teachers in regional backgrounds hands-on professional development. So recognising the, the complexity there, and in fact, our own graduate school has just entered into a major partnership uh, with the Catholic Education Office in the eastern parts of Victoria 
to build the capabilities of existing teachers. So we have 90 new teachers next year being enrolled in a program to enhance their capabilities. So I think, I think there are other ways of uh, developing the capabilities of teachers in rural areas than just to say, well, you know, let's take kids from low ATARs in regional areas and so they can go back to regional areas. It seems to me we would continue recycling the disadvantage. We want to, re we want to break that cycle.